Welcome to the 241st installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When Chris and Paul Burkhaus started farming in the St. Croix River Valley over three decades ago, they sold vegetables at a self-serve roadside stand where customers dropped money into a used ice cream bucket. They long ago outgrew that bucket. Through the years, Foxtail Farm expanded the number of acres under cultivation and eventually adopted the community-supported agriculture model. In 2004, they moved their operation, which had been near Stillwater, Minnesota, across the river to Wisconsin. Chris and Paul's CSA membership grew from three dozen to over 300, and at one point they had 19 acres under cultivation. They were not only pushing the farm's size, but also devoted to constantly adapting innovative ways of producing and marketing vegetables. In 2013, they switched from the traditional summer CSA model to offering shares to their members during the winter. They established a commercial kitchen and expanded their storage and packing capacity significantly in order to process and distribute vegetables during the off-season. Foxtail also added four high tunnels to extend the growing season. While building up this impressive operation, Chris and Paul have always emphasized helping mentor the next generation of beginning farmers. An estimated 70 to 80 people have worked with them over the years, Many of them, including several graduates of LSP's Farm Beginnings Program, have gone on to start farms of their own. In short, Foxtel is a well-established vegetable operation with lots of infrastructure and an impressive legacy. Over a year ago, Paul decided he wanted to get out of farming. That, along with the end of he and Chris's marriage, prompted them to begin looking at transitioning the farm onto the next generation. Ironically, a farm with so much infrastructure in place can often not appeal to beginning farmers, who are short on financial resources, and who want to build their own enterprises from scratch. But luckily, at the time that Chris and Paul were looking to pass on the farm, Emma Lynn Kaiser and Cody Fitzpatrick were working there. The couple are originally from Minnesota, but had spent the previous decade homesteading and farming in Alaska. They came to Foxtail in 2018 to work for a season or two and then figure out what their next steps should be in their farming trajectory. After working for a season on Foxtail, it became clear that the operation was a good fit for them in the long term. Emmeline and Cody are just past 30, and after homesteading an area that's a three-hour drive from the closest hardware store, they've decided they're at the stage of their career where starting from scratch is not so attractive anymore. They also felt the size of Foxtel, it's 62 acres in total, provides them plenty of flexibility to explore other enterprises that will help the operation fit their personal and professional goals. So, in 2019, they started meeting regularly with Chris and Paul and writing up a purchase plan. They attained a beginning farmer loan to the USDA's Farm Service Agency and in December 2019 became the new owners of Foxtail Farm. The farm's equipment was auctioned off and Emma Lynn and Cody purchased what they needed. When I visited Foxtail earlier this year, the new owners were nervous about taking on such a fully formed farming operation. But they were also confident that they would be able to not only sustain the current version of Foxtail, but also put their own twist on it. For example, Emmeline and Cody have already modified the winter CSA concept into a system that provides shares in late fall and early spring. One of the reasons they feel the transition is going smoothly is that as part of the arrangement, Chris is agreeing to live and work on the farm for at least a year. It turns out that besides the hoop houses and other facilities on the farm, there are also three separate housing units. 
Chris, who's 53, is living in one of these houses while working as an employee of the farm and serving as an advisor on everything from planting schedules to how to get the internet switched over. Fortunately for everyone involved, Chris loves farm work. She even seems to enjoy weeding. While at Foxtel, I talked to Emmalyn, Cody, and Chris about the challenges of passing on a farm that has a lot of moving parts to it and ways they've worked to make it a smoother process. Chris started out talking about why the successful transition of Foxtail to the next generation is something she feels she owes the farm's CSA members. She also discussed how she's looking forward to just pulling weeds and not being the quote-unquote boss anymore. Um, Chris, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about, we, we had been talking about this farm transition, this farm transition that you're doing with Emmeline and Cody. This is a more complicated transition that maybe even a typical CSA farm in that you are doing a winter CSA, you have a lot of infrastructure on here, you have a lot of longtime members, um, you have a lot of moving uh, elements here. But one of the things I think that maybe sounds like it's really going to help this is you have sold the farm, you, they got an FSA loan to do this, and that you've closed on that deal, but you're going to stay on for at least a year, maybe longer, if you're trying to, you know, you're thinking about that what you'll do after a year as an employee to kind of help them uh, kind of transition. And maybe if questions come up, they can come back to you and talk to you about that. But also, I think that sounds like maybe it's a good transition for the members of the farm, too, because they mm -hmm. are seeing a familiar face around knowing that a familiar face is involved. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I think that that's a, a really nice situation that maybe that you, you've set up yeah. with that. Yeah, well, um, I guess we've had a long relationship with our members and I mean I feel like they are an extended family and feeding them has been very important and their well-being is very important and so I feel that passing the farm on to Emmeline and Cody is a way of ensuring their continued well-being and me being a part of that shift can yeah ensure that that happens in a good way and I like to be a part of it, too, you know, because I love the members, and I love growing food, and I love these guys, Ellen and Cody. They're great folks and great. They have a great vision, I think. And however that changes in the future, um, if I can be a part of that and that works out, that's a good fit, then, then I'll do that, too, yeah. And it, it, it seems like it, you can... Um because how, how long have you been, you, since 2004, you've been on this particular farm here. Yeah. That's correct. So you have seen a real range in weather, soil conditions, <laughs> growing yes. conditions. And so, I mean, there's always going to be something, but yeah. you could probably say, yeah, well, this, this happened and we were able to deal with that. Something, something that might oh, come up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like frost every month except for July. Um, and we used to irrigate a whole lot the last three years. We've hardly irrigated at all. We do have really great soil that has good water holding capacity. So, yeah, I mean, knowing the soil, knowing the dynamics, knowing what, what's going to happen when, um, being able to foresee at least a little bit of what some issues might be, things to keep an eye on, you know, I feel like I can help out in that way. Um, I think it'll be a good partnership. Mm -hmm. And then you're you're kind of leaving an open what happens after that year, as it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. 
kind of just for all of us because you know it's like we've set it up well I think and um we'll see how this year goes and what people you know what they need what I need what shifts you know what things might change um I just I wouldn't want to constrain it um in any way I think Mm -hmm. just going from this point it's a good idea to be open to to what the future might hold and what might come as part of the process yeah one thing I, I think that strikes me is that you had said earlier, and actually I witnessed it because I was out in the hoop house and you guys were weeding. You, you said, I think you said you actually enjoy weeding. Oh, I love weeding, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but It's probably why I can't leave. <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be weeding. Um, but I think that that's an important piece because you said you've, you, like, you like the labor of farming. and you, And yeah. so... Switching a little bit where you're not the owner anymore, maybe not the quote-unquote boss, is not a big issue for you, it sounds like. Oh, no. It's freeing in a way, actually. It's like it's I, I get the best of all worlds because I get to be here. I get to help be a part of things and a part of a part of decision-making on the side, you know, but I don't have to do it all. I'm not responsible for everything. I've been responsible for enough years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to the members a little bit, when you first communicated about this transition, so uh, these guys had been on the f- had gone through a growing season, well, two growing seasons with you, and then you closed on the deal last fall after the second growing season. So they had seen them around and were familiar with them. But what kind of feedback did you get from members when they learned that this is the transition that that we're that's going to occur and and all that? Yeah, they were they were thrilled. They were super happy and um, let us know that they were glad that um, Foxtail was going to continue and that it was going to continue with people that they already were familiar with, that they already knew, and that we trusted and liked. And, um, yeah, it was it was all in all a really positive um, response, I think. And especially, yeah, we, we have great members, and they've been with us for so many years and been with us through all of our changes when we were just a summer CSA and then shifting to extended season and then winter CSA and, and all of that. They've they've ridden the waves really well. And yeah, I think they were looking forward to seeing, well, what, what else is going to happen? What's what's new? <laughs> so this is your, you closed in December. We're talking now in March. This will be your first full year where you're not an owner of a farm. How do, how's that feel? That feels great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wahoo. <laughs> Wahoo. All right. Um, Emmeline and Cody, I just I wanted to get your perspective on this of how useful it is to have Chris who can kind of, you've tra- you've transitioned the business into the farm, but now you kind of have that, I guess, it's almost like carrying on the mentorship a little bit, but she's no longer the owner. But is that is that going to be important for you guys here? This is kind of your, now this is your first, going to be your first season, growing season as the full owners of Foxtail. Yeah, I mean, working alongside Chris with, you know, just the knowledge that she has of this particular property and landscape, um, weather patterns, you know, what's worked well in the past. I think a lot of farming, whether that's first year or year five, is trial and error. A lot of it is, does this crop work here? Or, you know, can I do this in the high tunnel? Or... You know, and, and a lot of energy in time could either be wasted or could be like, woohoo, that worked. 
Um, and, you know, working with Chris, who has had a lot of troubleshooting, um, you know, working and, and owning Foxtail previously, we get to we get to kind of talk about those things before they are tried in the field. Because, yeah, again, from a farming perspective, you got to try new things to adapt to weather and, and the environment and all that kind of stuff. But having a longer history of knowledge of this property is going to be really helpful for our first year, especially from the farming element of not having to dedicate a ton of resources, time, energy to some of those trial and errors because mm-hmm. we have a uh, you know, breadth of knowledge from from some of those trials and errors that have worked and what hasn't, uh, what has and hasn't worked here on this farm. So I'm really looking forward to the collaborating with Chris in those ways for sure. Um, kind of echoing what Emmeline was saying really on, on the farm in Alaska. I, I mean, Emmeline, I, I think you'd agree with this, the output from year one as compared to the output from the final year from year five was very different was a whole lot bigger in year five than it was in year one. And that had to do with this trial and error. So with that in mind, you know, it, we're kind of just getting a jump start with all of Chris's knowledge and experience that we get to exercise trial and error in, in new ways <laughs> and try some new things because we, we have, have that experience to rely on and just to bounce ideas off of. I mean... I think that's one thing that's going to really come in handy, not not just in the, you know, early early March, early planting stages, but mid-season, I think there's going to be a lot of, hey, Chris, what about, hey, Chris, what about <laughs> um, that we wouldn't have at our disposal if this was a very strict buyer-seller relationship, the old owners go elsewhere, so... I mean, and it does take some pressure off of our decision making. I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm really glad that Chris has some newfound freedom, you know, I mean, just like show up, do the work that she loves doing and, you know, doesn't have to stay up till 10 p.m. doing budgets and those types of things um, that Cody and I are taking on. But it does ease those decisions to have some somebody to bounce ideas off of, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes those decisions seem less from nowhere and more based on some data or some experience. And so that, I think that's going to also lower our first year farming stress a lot too, of having that, yeah, of having that, that person that you can bounce those ideas off of for sure. Well, Cody, you had mentioned something earlier I thought was interesting. So you're 31, you're both 31. So you're young farmers, beginning farmers, but you're not super young. And you have had 10 years or so of experience. Mm-hmm. So you said something like, we want to raise food now. And we want to, we, you know, y- you've kind of gone through that real beginner stage. So this is, there's a lot of infrastructure on this farm. And that might be a deterrent for some folks. But it sounds like that's something that fits where you're at in your career right now. Yeah. Um, one thing that really, really attracted us to this particular farm was the hoop houses. And... Mm-hmm. With our experience in Alaska, you have to get very creative to extend your your growing season, and this is a way to incorporate that knowledge and be able to do a shoulder season CSA. You know, let's see how early we can grow here, how late we can grow here. That was one thing again that you know specifically Foxtail Farm 
offered and what drew us here initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think some of that infrastructure really does put us put us several years ahead of, mm-hmm. you know, where we may be if we'd looked at a different property and really had to, you know, slowly add hoop ho- a hoop house each year or however that, that may have, you know, shook out. But having some knowledge already coming into this of growing in greenhouse environment, season extension, you know, having had some experience, personal experience with that in Alaska, but then also being able to bring that knowledge together with Chris's knowledge of this space, I think is going to make us like, you know, kind of a power team in a lot of ways because where I, you know, where our knowledge base is lacking, she, she can kind of help more in those areas. And then, you know, where I have, you know, where we have some more understanding of definitely the greenhouse environment um, and how to grow in that, you know, in those shoulder seasons. Yeah, I think it's just going to make it all more a well-rounded season and a, and a more well-rounded business overall to be able to, yeah, to rely on each other's expertise in those, in those ways. Well, it, it seems like it'd be particularly valuable because this isn't just a CSA. It's, it's got another, uh, another level of uniqueness and that's, it's a winter CSA, which I don't know if there's any others around quite like that. So that's a whole nother wrinkle in the business plan. We have shifted a little bit of doing the straight through the whole winter. So we will end our, you know, what was classically our winter CSA went through, you know, through January and into February. Okay. And and we are still going to be offering that later season CSA, but it will go from more like the end of October. So once the summer CSAs end, ours will pick up and go until Christmas. Um, and then we are going to offer a, like a one-time, what we're calling our deep winter box, which will have some food that was put up and, you know, vacuum sealed from the summer and then root vegetables and storage crops so that people can really kind of stock their freezers and, you know, stock their refrigerators with some storage. So we're playing a little bit more with the full on winter CSA, but definitely wanting to still fill, fill that niche of how do we store food, which is, you know, something that Chris is going to be helpful with. I mean, we saw a lot of that process in working alongside, you know, in the seasons we did here while, you know, before the transition. But yeah, we're going we're kind of again, I think the the fall winter I CSA idea is going to be a is a blend of mm-hmm. kind of Cody and I's style and wanting to do the season extension and, you know, kind of what Chris and Paul were doing beforehand with the full on winter CSA and then that's when we kind of came up with that part of our business model together of like we still want to serve this later season kind of winter client base we have and, and, you know, serve that community. But how can we do that more sustainably with all of the knowledge we carry together as a team? And so that's when we settled on doing the late fall, early winter time frame more and then adding on that one big box at the end that people can just, you know, yeah, add on as a big... Yeah, Canada, and that, yeah, I think with combined with the spring share, those early these early boxes we're doing from April till uh, June when the summer CSAs start. I think that this really gets at why this was a perfect fit mm-hmm. because we were doing we were doing the winter CSA. We were we were um, experimenting with 
this lo- this idea of local food year round and what can we do on farms in this area and so having the hoop houses having the commercial kitchen and the root cellars and the barn made all that possible and combined with what these guys experience is Cody and Emmeline's um, experience growing in Alaska and um, those challenging conditions and what can you grow? When can you grow it? How do you do it? Combining that with what we have here, it was, it's like a perfect storm. It just, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I just had one final question. It, one of the things you'd mentioned was you went through the FSA to get a beginning farmer loan and it worked out for you, but that can be a little tricky when taking out a loan re- that's going to be, for example, for a CSA operation because they don't have, they're used to dealing with corn and soybean farmers. So it sounds like because you had this relationship, you were able to provide some history of, uh, I think, three years' worth of what the cash flow was for an operation like this and things like that. Whereas if you'd just been a buyer coming in, you didn't know each other or whatever, you wouldn't have that, being able to provide that to the FSA. And that really helped smooth, sounds like it smoothed the process a little bit. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I would agree with with kind of your nutshell there of, of just how valuable having a working relationship is in the transition process, like with the current owners and being able, you know, to have open and honest communication about just what the inputs are on a farm and being able to have, you know, I think that having that the access to the, you know, even the crop data, some of that, the three-year track record of, you know, what is possible on the land we're looking to purchase from the FSA standpoint gave our business model and the, the, our idea of doing the CSA a lot more credibility from their perspective in the sense that we don't fit their models. You know, it, it, it we're not just doing a monocrop thing, which is kind of the boxes that are checked when the FSA loan officer is filling in your paperwork, right? <laughs> and so... Our paperwork maybe looks more complicated, but for that officer, having that, you know, that data, having, you know, oh, no, but this is really supporting mm-hmm. what we're saying, I, that went a long way in in the credibility of our application process and, and really proving to them that, that this could work, um, especially with the large scale of our property and all the infrastructure and and all that, and the, the loan amount we were asking for, mm-hmm. you know, it was really important to make sure that we had an ironclad, you know, business plan, and that was much, that was facilitated much more easily by having a lot of that data and knowledge going into it. Um, yeah. That, Chris, that must have been satisfying that you've had 20 years worth or more of, of that information, that you were able to use that really to help that process. You're saying, you know, because like Emmeline says, that proved that you were a viable business, but then you were able to, this has helped in some ways help that successful transition because this isn't just, um, this isn't just you selling, cashing out your farm. You wanted to see what you had all put into this over the years kind of, yeah. you know, kept up. Yeah, we, we wanted it to continue and we had confidence that given our past that it could continue and definitely we had confidence with Emmeline and Cody that they could continue it based on them working with us, us knowing them mm-hmm. and um, knowing what they were capable of and yeah, that it was a good fit. Yeah. That's something that comes up a lot with farms that are doing something different or unique. 
it's not just it's always complicated to sell it transition it or whatever but this i that adds a whole other wrinkle because you put a lot into this uh, you know isn't that doesn't it make it a little bit more i guess it could be stressful but when it works out it works out yeah yeah for sure i mean our our life's blood sweat and tears both paul and i is is definitely all over this farm and so yeah we are I feel especially rooted to this place and um, knowing that it's in good hands makes me feel good and makes me feel like this is um, the perfect move. While researching how to transition Foxtail Farm, Chris did a lot of digging into the financial, legal, and logistical steps that were needed. One of her contacts was LSP's Farm Beginnings Program, which has resources available on how to complete a successful transition. For more information on LSP's farm transition work, see our website at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call Karen Stetler at 507-523-3366. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612 722-6377. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Thank you.